The reading today is from 1 Kings chapter 3. Solomon asked for wisdom. Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married his daughter. He brought her to the city of David until he finished building his palace and the temple of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people, however, were still sacrificing at the high places because the temple had not been built for the name of the Lord. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the statues, statues of his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. The king went to Gideon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place, and Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. At Gideon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God asked, Ask for whatever you want me to give to you. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued his great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count a number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and in, administ- and in administration justice. I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so that you will never have been you, excuse me, so that you will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both riches and honour, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in my ways and obey my statutes and commands, as David and and your father did, I will give you long life. Then Solomon awoke, and he realized it had just been a dream. He returned to Jerusalem, stood before the Ark of the Lord's Covenant, and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then he gave a feast for all of his court. Good morning, everybody. Fantastic. My name's Roger. I'm one of the leaders of the church. Would you please think of something in the next five seconds that's a desire of your heart? And now you've got another 15 seconds to share that with somebody near you. Go. Make sure it's an okay one to share. Okay, some people choose to keep their um, their desires of their hearts themselves. That's totally okay. Right, you've had your 15 seconds. Time's up. We're thinking about the desire of our hearts. Maybe you can remember a time when, when as kids you might have turned around and said to a friend, what do you want to be when you grow up? And maybe if it was boys, it was somebody playing football for England or whatever, uh, or a little girl that wanted to be an astronaut. It doesn't really matter what that, uh, what that kind of sense is of that dream, that desire. Is there any right or wrong uh, in that? Well, who knows? What about ourselves, though, maybe now? What do we want to be when we grow up? Or what, what is our heart's desire for that which we are thinking ahead 
for? Is that okay to pray for that or not? And if it is okay to pray for that, to ask for that, well then how do we go about it? Uh, we're in the middle of a series uh, on prayer. Um, we picked up on this, uh, this mental health initiative of Britain Get Talking and we called this theme Church Get Talking, our own Get Talking with God. We've explored different ways that we may well be able to do that both in terms of acknowledging who God is, asking questions about, well, why doesn't doesn't God maybe hear our prayer? We've thought about listening uh, in prayer, uh, all sorts of elements of prayer. The one thing that we've actually avoided is the asking God for everything, because that tends to be where we start. When we think of talking to God, well, I would really like you to do this, or I would like that, or whatever. Well, this morning, we're going to be a bit selfish. We're going to actually think about what we want. That's all right, isn't it? Yeah, you're not feeling as a battered now, are you? They, oh, thank goodness for that. Because there's loads of stuff I want. But is it okay to ask God for what we want or not? Well, we're going to be thinking about that. Our focus is that prayer uh, of Solomon in response to the encounter that he had with God. Now, Solomon, just to set the context, was succeeding his father, King David. That's a pretty sort of difficult uh, sort of shoes to, to fulfill, or different pair, difficult pair of sandals, maybe, to fulfill. This is around about 970 years before Jesus. That's sort of like the timescale that we're, we're thinking about. And when you think about um, uh, sort of stepping into the, the shoes of David, maybe it's a, a bit like the, the awesomeness who, whoever has kind of tried to follow Sir Alex Ferguson, the big manager of Manchester United whoever's really tried that it's been a big struggle since what do we know about Solomon well he was an intelligent guy becoming an expert in botany and zoology writing 3,000 proverbs and over a thousand songs so the Ed Sheeran may be of his day I don't know including a somewhat graphic uh, picture and book uh, describing and depicting uh, sexual uh, love and the beauty of that that you can read about yes in God's word in the book of what just wanted to check who'd read that one. Okay, you were very quick to answer uh, that. Fantastic, thank you. Okay, so even within God's word, there's those big things that's talked about. Solomon was the person who actually wrote that book. But maybe it's the phrase that we remember most of all about him. Because you might hear somebody who's very clever or very discerning. Or they've got the wisdom of Solomon. Well, it we get, where do we get that phrase from? We get it from God's word. Like so many other different phrases that we use in our world, very often they were first um, uh, rooted in God's word. So what about his prayer? What about the context for how we might think about um, the desires of our heart, but it's not just about, well, I want this, and we rush straight to that. The first thing we see, if you've got your Bibles in front of you, that's great. If you're able to bring that on a phone app or a hard copy of God's Word, that's great and helps us as we maybe go through. In chapter 3, uh, and we're beginning with this, this whole sense of being sure that you get right with God first. Be sure that you get right with God first. Verse 3, Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the statutes of his father uh, David. Now he didn't get everything right. If you read in and around some of the, the bits and pieces, we won't uh, go through what he, what he did in terms of getting some of the essence of worship practice uh, right. But, but what seemed to matter most by the way that the positives of how God responded was it, it was obviously evident that it was Solomon's heart that mattered most. 
And even this morning, I thought, well, isn't it amazing we can have an array of mistakes occur or things not go quite right. But what matters most ought to be our heart. Uh, Now, you wouldn't have all been aware of these mistakes. I'm already aware that I actually came in wrong and in a wrong way uh, on one of the songs that we were playing when I was battering away on the drums. I thought, oops, my mistake, head held in shame. Hopefully, most of you didn't realise. Well, you all know now, don't you? Tut, tut, you may well be thinking. And then we've got the weekly uh, element of, does this microphone work? Or how close do we hold it? Or whatever. It goes wrong. Poor Kevin. Oh, my goodness. Kevin had very kindly just been before the service stepped into somebody, somebody else's shoes to bring God's word and almost it was a misunderstanding as to when the reading was up he comes we take no it's not now oh dear <laughs> Kevin's first time he's ever done the reading and we got to say sit down it's not your turn yeah <laughs> then we got Mark who's praying for the elders retreat coming up bless you we met on Friday oh my goodness all these kind of things that go wrong but does it really matter what matters most and Mark uh, forgive me I'm sure he's uh, he's <laughs> What matters most is the heart behind all this stuff. We can get some bits wrong. And now, if you've made a mistake this morning, thinking, please don't mention my... Yeah, you... Oh, Ali has as well? There you go. It can... Oh, yes, so you did. Oh, yeah, that was a bad one. Let's focus on... No, no, no. We do get stuff wrong, don't we? But what matters most is heart. And there was something about uh, Solomon's heart that brought about that great response from God. We can uh, sometimes get a bit het up, can't we, about what matters most in terms of more important or less important in terms of the things of God, the way we worship, the rights and wrongs of the dotting I's and the crossing T's. I think this passage reminds us that God is much more interested in our hearts. Gibeon was that most important high place, and that is why Solomon went there. Before the record of Solomon's prayer, this is a guy who is in worship, offering a sacrifice, not just one, but actually a thousand burnt offerings. Not because of this exceptional amount of sin in his life, but rather this exceptional devotion he had of just wanting to give out of his gratitude to God. So was his heart bursting with who God was and what he had done for him. Is that our hearts this morning as we've come? Bursting forth with what God has done. Great to hear Paul give us the good news of how his operation went because he was in racked with pain, I know. And he very graphically described that to you on a text this week. But then to acknowledge God's greatness and the thankfulness of God's people for having prayed for him. I wonder if we're in a right place before God when we come to pray. Solomon wasn't sinless. That's not possible anyway, is it? But it's good that we examine ourselves to be sure that we're seeking to get right with God. What was the result? Well, the result was that God reveals himself to Solomon. Verse 5, we had read to us that Solomon during the night in a dream heard God say, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Wouldn't we all love to hear that from God? As, here it is. Whatever you want. There's a blank check. I wonder what we would rush to write in on that blank check. I guess it's a little bit similar to when Jesus in Matthew 7 verse 7 said to one person, what do you want me to do for you? They had a deep physical ailment, but the question was, what do you want me to do for you? 
Philippians chapter 4 verse 6, we're, we're encouraged there to make all your requests known to God. Tell him. I mean, in one sense, he knows anyway, but he wants us to be honest, to pour forth those things that are troubling our hearts. We've got this rare encounter of Solomon being asleep and God speaks to him in a very real way. I wonder how often that happens. Do we expect God to speak to us? Is that the norm? Has it ever happened before? Nah, God would never talk to me. That would never happen, surely. Okay, well, before we go any further on that, have a read of Genesis 28, 12, 31, 11, 46, verse 2, Numbers 12, 6, Judges 7, verse 13, Daniel 2, verse 4 and 7, Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, chapter 2, verse 12 and 22. Just some of the places where God has spoken in people's sleep. When we met yesterday morning at Cafe Church, well, I just tossed in that question. I said, has God ever spoken to any of you uh, when you've been asleep at night? A whole host of hands went up and we shared a couple of those and that was fantastic. I thought, well, I wonder if that really ever happened to me. I just want to share one illustration because it's the only one probably that I could allude to where something similar to that occurred for me. It's very uh, significant for me. I think it was very significant at the time uh, for our, our church as well. I was just touching base with Tim before we uh, we started our service about when it was that the council pulled the plug uh, on um, our moving as, as a new building to be set up uh, in the uh, town centre where, where near, nearby where Iceland is and and we thought it was round about eight years ago all i can remember whether it's eight years ago seven years ago doesn't really matter but just so you got the context as to roughly when that period of time was this was really 11th hour for just about to sign on the dotted line and as a church this being a journey that we've been on for nearly 40 years we were excited that at long last it's about to happen I was Christmas shopping in Yeovil and got a phone call from Tim saying, just to say, the council had pulled the plug on it. And I can remember being a bit numbed as, oh, all right then. And then went back to my Christmas shopping and then it sort of di- digested in the thud that that was, having to yet again go back to the church and say, it ain't going to happen. That night, and this has never happened in, in a similar way since, and it hadn't happened before, Around about three, four in the morning, I had this sense of this not being bad news, but good news. And what came to my mind was there's a, a, um, a, a, a passage of scripture in Acts chapter 16, where Paul, this great missionary, was going to go over in a particular direction and preach the gospel there, etc., etc. Great heart, but you read that the spirit of Jesus said no. What's all that about? And you can talk about that maybe amongst yourselves over uh, coffee. A fascinating problem. Why would God say no to that? But then in the middle of the night, God said, I want you to go over here. Because Paul then pictured this man from Macedonia saying, come over here and help us. And the rest is kind of history. But as I scribbled out some notes, the the series that we were going to start in January, we delayed uh, by a week to actually look at that passage Because what it seemed to be saying to us was, this is not bad news, church. Don't get discouraged. This is God pulling the plug. And I then ended up, somewhere towards the end of the message, saying all we're waiting for really now is for God to say, come over here. Or a man from Macedonia equivalent to say, come over here and help us. And it was three days later 
that somebody from the duchy phoned us to say, we've seen your plans in an architect's office in Poundbury. We're two weeks away from something being written off and finalised for where the school is, but we'd like to talk to you about possibly your church moving to Poundbury. Gulp. Now, the rest, they say, is history. Staggering how God can, in his way and in his time, from time to time, speak into our lives corporately or maybe an individual's life. I'd love to say that happens to me all the time, but it doesn't. But I won't ever forget that occasion. And I very much doubt that Solomon would have have affected or or would have um, ever forgotten this occasion. So let's be sure we're in the right place before God. What does he do next? Well, he acknowledges God's goodness. We won't read verse 6, but he's bursting forth before responding to what God has said ask for whatever you want I'd be right in there okay I want da 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 away it would go not Solomon the first thing he does is to reflect God's goodness to him which I think is brilliant a sense of humility as well from this king Uh, David his father was was in similar vein and we looked at that last Sunday evening Uh, you can listen to that online uh, from 2 Samuel chapter 7 how people ask for things is really really key isn't it The first thing that Solomon did was want to acknowledge God's goodness. I'm conscious of time, so I'm going to move on. What does he do then? He then is very honest about confessing his need. There is nothing wrong in asking for help. If a child doesn't uh, understand a question, teacher says that they should ask. I don't know if you were ever very good at doing that uh, at school. Uh, I didn't tend to use that process so much as copying somebody else. That tended to be what I would do. But we're not that good at asking for help, are we? A friend of ours isn't very well. Oh, you need to make sure you go to see the doctor. You're then unwell. And somebody says to you, you need to go. Oh, no, no, I can't go to the doctor. I'm not very well. (laughs) We're a bit reluctant to confess our need or to ask for help or to admit that there's a sense of need. Because we've got this built-in thing that says, I'm okay. I can cope. Everything's fine. I'm independent. And that's a strength, isn't it? No, not really. At times, yes. But not in other times. And for Solomon, he recognises as you journey through verses 7 to 9, he's thinking, how am I going to do this? Lead a nation. The way that they held my father, King David, and everything that he did. All that reputation. And I've got to follow that. I'm only a child. Now, the, the Hebrew word for that, because this came up about, was that an age thing or otherwise yesterday morning? So I've checked it out. And, and it's nothing to do with an age, although he's only early 20s. It's to do with an expression that reflects his own complete inexperience of leadership. Early 20s. He's only maybe watched dad a little bit from afar. But God says, you're now king. You're the leader. Well, you better, you better equip me. That is what is at the forefront of his mind so he asks for that sense of wisdom he's got a very healthy perspective not only confessing his need but three times within those uh, few verses there he speaks very much about being God's servant there's something that thrills God's heart when that servantness uh, is expressed I'm not going to embarrass this person because they're sat right here this morning. Now you're following my eyes, aren't you, to see where I'm looking. I'm not going to look in, in their direction. I overheard yesterday after the ladies' breakfast, somebody say, well, 
is there anything else that you'd like me to do? And they pitched in to get the rest of the job done after that brilliant uh, breakfast that, uh, that, that Nina and others had, had organised. But then when that was done, and there was setting up uh, for Eve, who was uh, uh, talking about her new book, and I think there's 20 or 30 or something here yesterday, fantastic. I heard the same person speak to Eve and say, is there anything that I could do to help? Wow. Servant heart, serving heart, servant heart. Wouldn't it be great if there was this inbuilt competition in our minds to out-serve one another, out-give one another in terms of what we're about as church? Solomon sees himself very uh, seriously and positively about being God's servant. But he's then very specific when it comes to that moment of ask whatever you want and it will be given. And it's not on you, Aston Martin, as <laughs> came up yesterday. It's for wisdom. It's for discernment. I wonder what our heart's desire is. It's great to be specific. Someone yesterday morning uh, lost their purse. And that's not a great thing. They got the bus here and went to go back home, lost their purse. So, so we paused. To think, right, how can we go through this passage and not be specific in terms of asking God uh, to provide it's turned up they've got to go to Bridport to get it but that's okay they have to be working in Bridport during the week they're going to pick it up so we prayed specific and it was answered that's good isn't it well I thought it was good okay thank you for the four of you that also nodded your head certainly for the person that lost their purse that was huge whether or not it was on the scale of Solomon asking for wisdom to actually lead a nation I doubt but it was at the forefront of their minds wouldn't it be at the forefront of yours so they made their request very very specific. Solomon, though, asks for wisdom. One of the greatest brains of the 20th century was a man called Max Born, a friend of Einstein. He died in about 1970. He said this, I'd be happier if we had scientists with less brains, but more wisdom. Recognising the gift that's needed in terms of wisdom. Seek first Jesus said, the kingdom of God and all this other stuff is going to be added unto you as well. Ask God to equip you. We're not going to be king of a nation or queen of a nation. But God would have given a role or a purpose for you in your life. It's a very right, healthy place and position and person. He says, God, would you equip me for the role and for the task that you have called me into? Now, right now, some of you are thinking, oh, but I'm only, or but I only do, or I'm just a... I don't believe that God sees that in the same way as you do. God values you equally, one with another. Instead of trudging on in our own strength, pause to say, God, this thing of asking whatever it is that I need, would you please equip me for this interview I've got coming up? For this relationship that I'm struggling in. For my place in the workplace. Whatever it may well be. Ask God to equip you. Those God calls into positions, into roles. He promises to equip. Ask him. Do we rely on ourselves or on God? Well, Solomon was wanting to make sure he was relying on his God. I could reflect to you what we read in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 21 may the God of peace equip you with everything good 
for doing his will. And then when we get to the end of this, uh, this back and forth as, as he's praying and there's a response uh, from God uh, to that. God doesn't just answer his prayer, but he downloads a whole host of other stuff as well. Celebrate those sense of God encounters with him. The result of that experience in his prayer was worship and celebration and then this this feast uh, that was held in response. We have a time of celebrations where the chocolate team goes round and sometimes there are things on the level of I've not got school today. Fair enough, we all laugh and the kid gets a chocolate. But what about some of the answers to prayer that you may well have had this week? Or what about God breaking in a particular way? Or something amazing like, let's celebrate. Why keep that stuff to yourself? Let's share good news stories of what God is about. Let's rejoice with those who rejoice alongside our weeping with those who weep. And we hold those two together. Some of you will be maybe more in a place of weeping right now because of what's going on. Others in a place of rejoicing. It's not a right or wrong. We need both, don't we? And if we're one of those where things are going great, let's empathise with somebody who's maybe struggling. If we're shrouded in stuff that's not going good for us because of whatever it is that's occurring right now, let's not um, be prevented from entering into celebrating what God is doing in a particular way with someone else. Let's enter into that and celebrate that together. And that was what Solomon was wanting uh, to share. He came to that altar at Gibeon with the belief that he would meet with God there. How have you come this morning? Well, I'll see my friends. Why are you here? Well, it's Sunday. It's 10.30. When it was five, 5 to 5 on a Friday, it was crackerjack. It doesn't mean to say it's going to be anything beyond that by means of specialness, but I wonder whether or not we've got an anticipation, an expectation, and a request. God, would you meet with me? Would you meet with us? God was already here. God is here. He doesn't need us to ask him to come when he's already here. He's more likely to say, well, I was here before you got here, guy. But in terms of that sense of his closeness and his voice or his revelation to you and to me, let's covet that. Let's make sure we come with that right sense of attitude. His prayer, this Solomon's prayer, I think models something really positively to us by way of thanksgiving, humility and thoughtfulness. What a great pattern to just even think about that in the context of our asking for our heart's desire. And then, of course, if any of us lacks wisdom... Let's ask an easy question. Anybody ever lack wisdom? Seven of us. Okay. This is what God's word says. And for many of you, this will be familiar. But let's allow God's word to speak to our hearts. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him or her ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach. And it will be given to them. But let him or her ask in faith, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. James 1, verses 5 and 6. It would be lovely to end there, wouldn't it? But actually the passage doesn't really kind of end there, because one of the last things that God says to Solomon, despite 
the way that Solomon was and his prayer and all the stuff that we put on a pedestal about being a great model. Despite the way God says, well, I'm not going to just answer your prayer, I'm going to give you all this other stuff as well. Verse 14, God says this, and if you walk in my ways and obey my statutes and commands, as your father did, I will give you long life. It may well not appear the biggest word, but the biggest word in there is if. We need to take heed, don't we, of God's warnings. If you read 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 1 to 4 and verses 9 to 11, you'll see that that was the bit that Solomon kind of tipexed out. Great leader, great king, great heart, until towards the end. And it went pear-shaped. And come age 59, he was a dead man. Boom. Let's heed God's warnings. Yeah, let's be thrilled with asking God for the desires of our own hearts. But let's recognise that alongside God delighting to hear, to answer, there's also an if. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you love us, you want to bless us, you want to meet us in our need. Whatever that might be this morning, we pray that we might be conscious of you leading us to a place where we can connect with you. Bring us to that place where we're able to worship you, to speak of your goodness, but also to humble ourselves as we recognise that you're God and we are not. Come, speak to our hearts. And by your spirit, draw out that response that you're looking for from us. And God, whatever the if is that you might be saying to us, help us to heed that warning. There's a sense of someone here who's struggling with, I think it's more than one, maybe two or three. And you know right now you have a choice. You know what a right way is. But you also know the temptation is to take a wrong path. Maybe there's that sense of God's blessing on its way to you. But God is saying there's an if. Heed his warning. Stop. Don't go down that line that may well be an avenue of the flesh or something that is in your mind that you're thinking you're wanting but for wrong reasons. God speak. Give us courage as we make our own response to you in Jesus' name. Amen.